I'm Cynthia Murphy. And I'm Georgia Bowers. And this is Delete My Browser History, a mini-sode. And this week we have the lovely Peter Laws with us, who has come in his cloak. Yeah, uh, well, I wear this every day, you know, yeah. just to give myself a sense of gothic grandeur. When I'm yeah, throw it on in the morning when you get up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, so Peter is joining us this uh, this episode. He's going to be talking to us about some different things that he's come across while he's been researching. He has mentioned being buried alive, so we're we're uh, looking forward to that. But before we start, he did send us three facts about himself, two of which are true and one is false. So he is going to share that with us now, Peter. So if you want to tell us your three facts. Okay. Um, oh, sorry, I thought you were going to tell me that, so I'll have to remember what they are. Uh, was that it? Did I tell you? <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to say them, and then I was going to go. Mm. This has happened every single time. I think has it. You want me to say them? I've got them here. Yeah, you say them. You say them. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I think right. I have got it. Got it right here. And um, don't worry, Cynthia edits all this bit out, don't you, Cynthia? On the bothered, yeah. On the actual podcast, right? Three weird facts about yourself. One, my music teacher got me drunk and my geography teacher gave me drugs. Two, my school. (laughs) I almost became a professional Elvis impersonator. Or three, I have a genuine cursed witch bottle in my office sent to me from a family from a haunted farmhouse. That one's true. That one's 100% true. I even feel like I've read that somewhere. Ah. They're like, yeah. Hmm. I read your book, Frighteners. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's. Well, I mean, I I can't tell you yet, can I, which one is the right one? Um, I mean, which one, which one sounds false to you? Um, Unfortunately, well, the teacher one sounds (laughs) true to me. Does it? (laughs) Wow. What sort of school did you go to? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I. I kind of want you. I I kind of want you to actually have been an Elvis impersonator. Okay. At some point, so I'll, I'll I'll be a bit sad if you only if it only almost happened for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would be kind of tragic, yeah. wouldn't it? Um, I am going to go for. So I think I think this. I think the teacher one is true. I think mm-hmm. the witch bottle one is true. Although that has a bit more. That has a bit more information. Is there something within the statement which is not true? Oh, interesting. Sorry, we've done this yes. a few times. We get okay. better at this each yeah. time, aren't we, Cynthia? Yeah. No, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go <laughs> in Elvis impersonator just because I want you to okay. have actually made it. Yeah. So right. you can you can tell us at the end which one's true. What do you think, Cynthia? Yeah. I think number one's false because I think it's not both of them, but I think it's one of them. So either like yeah, that would be qu- that would be quite a busy night, wouldn't it? If the yeah. teacher and the other teacher did whatever they did. Yeah. <laughs> but I do remember going on a, a theatre trip when I was in year eleven, and because we were all sixteen, we could all have one drink with dinner, and um, oh. we kept giving giving lemonade to one of the like not I don't want to say annoying, that's really mean, but one of the boys who would you know be all over the place all the time we kept giving him lemonade and saying we've, we've snuck some more vodka into it Ooh. by the end of the night he was going oh i'm so drunk oh i'm all <laughs> he wasn't he'd been drinking lemonade. <laughs> Do i wouldn't say a music or a drama teacher mm. yeah allowing yeah. it I, I do I do remember being at school once when me and my friend got in trouble for something i can't remember what it was it might have been for wearing denim because <laughs> 
There was a there was a double short denim. period where denim was not allowed. It wasn't double <laughs> denim, it wasn't insane, but it was um yeah, it, it was it was pushing the borders of that. And uh we weren't allowed to do it. And then we got taken to the head, not sorry, the head of English for some reason, the head of English's office. And uh, my friend started to get really a little bit kind of cocky with the teacher. And I've never seen this before. At one point, the teacher just uh, he, he sort of his eyes went a bit funny. <laughs> and then he took off his jacket and he stood up. And he said, I shall remind you, boys, that I used to box for, for a pastime. So be careful. And he did the full on, like, <laughs> you know, old old school this, like, who does that? <laughs> and it was so hard not to laugh because it was like, don't, please don't do this. And it's obviously a little bit threatening. Yeah. <laughs> I shall remind you, boys. Yeah, that's really weird. Yeah, he was definitely teaching when corporal punishment was allowed and missed it, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He probably was allowed. Yeah, I was probably allowed to box the kids at some point. Yeah. And now that's that privilege has been taken away from him. Yeah, those were the days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, well, anyway, is this research that you mentioned, the being buried alive, is this for a new book that you're writing or something that you've written before? And how did it come about? Yeah, actually, it wasn't um, for a book, although it's it's often crossed my mind, that thought, because I find it quite scary. Um, but no, it wasn't for a book. It was for a podcast because, uh, you know, I, I got books out and stuff. But like during lockdown, particularly, I started working in the kind of the podcast field, as they call it, and, um, and, and ended up doing three podcasts and working for three podcasts. So you're always content hungry. And I was just trying to find something for my frightful podcast, which is a non-fiction, scary true stories with immersive audio and all this sort of stuff. And so, yeah, I, I started looking into premature burial. And as I was looking into that, it was just, I don't know, you know, I, I think sometimes you, you discover that there are certain things that you didn't really realize you had a slight phobia about until you're, you dive into the real dark side of things. And um, the reason I started thinking about this was because I just happened to read a story, a new story, which I couldn't stop thinking about afterwards. And that was where there was this guy with his son in Italy or something. And he, well, they were walking past a kind of a big ceramic dinosaur, which was there for some sort of art project. And he decided to look through, because you could kind of look through a little hole in it. And the dad decided to look through the hole and he was looking in there and um, he tried to take some video of inside and he accidentally dropped his phone inside the dinosaur and it skidded and skidded down inside the hollow leg of this dinosaur. And so the man, obviously, you know, we would kill for our phones and even die for them. So he pushed himself inside, further inside the dinosaur. And as he went in, he, he lost his footing, his, his weight tipped over and he slipped and he slid headfirst into the narrow leg of oh. the dinosaur. Oh, that's horrible. And he was stuck there and he was trapped in like this and he couldn't move and he was screaming and shouting. And anyway, I don't know why the son didn't get help or what happened exactly, but, or maybe the, the kid tried to find some help, but he died there. He was stuck there for long enough for him to die upside down, inside, trapped. In it. And I just, when I, when I read this story, I thought that is... You know, you read some things and you think, oh, this will give you nightmares. And I thought, crap, this actually might give me nightmares because it made me think of, well, I, I didn't think I was claustrophobic. I don't mind, you know, going into a small space, but the thought of being trapped 
um, or the thought of being in a kind of earthquake or something and like in a building and then all of a sudden mm. everything, and you get so crushed that you can't even kill yourself to get out of it. And so that's why I thought I should like start investigating premature burials. So, <laughs> so I started doing that. And, um, so instead of avoiding it forever, you were like, oh, I'll read some more. Well, no, it's that, that, that's weird. I mean, I am weird like that. And, and that's why um, I talk about this in one of my nonfiction books about why scary things are, are helpful in some ways by addressing them. And, and yeah, I tend to do that. If something's frightening to me, I, I, I kind of want to try and domesticate it and, and put it into a rhythm that I can expect. Like there was one time when we, had, we randomly had a rat enter our old house um, and our kids had chicken pox at the time. So my wife like tucked them away because apparently you're not supposed to have rats like crapping on your kids when they've got open <laughs> sores. We shouldn't have that anytime, but definitely with open sores. So she left. And I was stuck with this rat and I don't like rats much, but I thought, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to read the story, the rats in the walls by HP Lovecraft and just sit there in the dark. Cause I know there's a rat in the house and that's scary. Mm. Um, so I'll read it anyway. So addressing this stuff. So yeah, so I went in a premature burial uh, investigation, <laughs> investigation mode and yeah. just started to discover certain stories that kind of, that creeped me out. There was, there was one where a, a woman was buried and um, they were just about to uh, throw through the, um, the soil on the coffin. And then her sister had been late to the burial. This was like in the 19, early 1900s. Her sister was late and she begged the people to let them, begged the undertakers to let her see her, um, her sister for one last time because she'd missed the, the, the funeral and everything, and she was distraught. And so they let her and, and they pulled off the soil and she went down and, and then they opened up the, the coffin. And when they opened it up, her sister sat up in the coffin and turned to her and smiled. And the whole funeral just erupted in utter terror and oh. everyone just started running away. And so these people just rushing away from this, um, from this, well, what they thought was a zombie or a vampire or a ghost yeah. or whatever. And this woman like had to claw herself out of the grave and started running after people in the town <laughs> saying like, Hey, wait for me. Wait for me. <laughs> like this oh, is a new no. story. Um, but the thought of the thought of someone coming back from the dead obviously is well, terrifying, even though yeah. it's, if, if, if you know that, but it, but what I found interesting about that, case as i was researching it was if she had come back from the dead in a kind of supernatural way that that's scary obviously but the truth of the matter is she didn't come back supernaturally she'd went into this seizure which made her appear dead and she was buried alive and the fact that she was buried alive and she wouldn't have been found without her sister is just as terrifying if not more terrifying mm. probably more terrifying in fact than the supernatural option because at least the supernatural option option gives us like a, a second chance, you know, or a yeah. eternal life or, or whatever. So there was that story that really uh, creeped me out. But of course, she survived. And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, hang on a minute. There must be plenty of others that didn't survive. Yeah. And, um, Actually, and I've got one in my new book. Oh, yeah. And it's a woman who was buried and her family kept having dreams that she was still alive. Have you heard that? Right. One? And no, no, no. one of the family members was begging, saying, we need to go and check. You know, I don't I don't think she's dead. Um, so they went and they dug her up and she was dead, but she hadn't been buried dead. And her fingernails were all embedded on the inside of the coffin. Yes, oh, that's, that's gross. Magic. 
Yeah, and there's and there's 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 loads of things like that when when I started looking into it of examples where you you, you know they have opened up and they that you know the, the person's been bruised or something in a way that isn't consistent. Um, but there was this other one. Um, so I'm just turning something off. I've got this thing on my uh, on my computer that tells me to stand up and look somewhere else for a bit, you know, to protect your eyes and whatever. Anyway, but there's this other one which kind of really creeped me out, which was uh, a man was working in. Uh, it was in in America in the wilderness of Maine, I think it was, kind of turn of the century, I think, or just coming up to it. And anyway, he was he was working alone, and he sadly he died. Um, and he could he was feeling ill leading up to it, but he he, he lay down by the fire, hoped he'd get better, and he, and he didn't. So his body was discovered, and uh, his sons were contacted to come and you know take him home, but. The sons had to do a massive trek over the mountains to try and find him. And they found him and they realized that really it was just too far to walk back in the wilderness with a corpse, you know, sl- slung in your backpack. You can't, you can't do that. So they, they realized that we can't stay here and we can't take dad home. So we'll bury him in the woods and we'll come back in the spring and bury him, take him home and have a proper burial. So they buried their dad and went home, returned in the spring and uh, dug him back up again. And as they dug him up, they, for some reason, decided to open up the, the lid because it was, there was something funny about it or they were just curious. Maybe they just wanted one last look at their dad. And they pulled it back. And when they pulled it back, they saw their dad had turned over. Um, and they were like, what's going on here? Has somebody tried to break into this or has an animal attacked it or something? And so they reached down. And they slowly kind of peel him up. And when they saw his face and they saw the sheer terror and desperation on his face, they knew what had happened. And the, the news report about it had said the line was something like, in desperation, he, when he realized he had been buried alive, basically, that he hadn't been dead, the sons had buried him alive. When this man had realized, he turned over in the coffin and he had started to use his teeth to gnaw through the, bo- the, uh, the boards. In a, de- in a desperate attempt at liberty. That was the, the <gasps> phrase. And I just thought, oh man, the thought of like, he's, he's, the poor guy's not even going in the right direction. No. And the, 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 oh, the That's worse than the dinosaur leg, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just horrible. And the idea of being trapped. And so, so the, the, you know, the Victorians in particular, they, they came up with all sorts of cool, like elaborate mm. ways of, uh, you know, little bells that you could ring, uh, if if you were if you were buried alive or um there were really elaborate coffins where you could apparently though the um the bells would sometimes go off because of gases so when a body is deep oh. and it releases gases and it nice but the bell would go off so sometimes they would ring <laughs> and of course everybody yeah out. yeah you need you need like a specific ringtone for i'm buried alive <laughs> rather than sos you know this is just me you know excreting gas yeah, yeah there should be an app for that yeah, there should be an app for that in fact there probably should be an app for that because um as you think about it and and, and you look at the statistics obviously it's, it's very rare that people get buried alive and yet the the, the chances are not zero you know you can't yeah. you it does happen and there's even these recent cases you know looked at one in the 1990s of an old lady who was taken into a, a mortuary and she was just sitting there in the freezer you know waiting to be cut up and uh, she suddenly like <laughs> came alive and and it's like crap you know if, if she hadn't done that you know if they'd started cutting her up earlier 
they would have killed her and not noticed that she was alive before they killed her. Um, and and so it, it it is possible. But then as I was researching this, the, the obvious thing came to mind, which was what happens if the statistics are hopelessly skewed and it makes it suggest that it is very rare. But what happens if it's way more common than you think? But of course, we wouldn't know. How would we know? Yeah. You know, how many people, you know, kind of flutter their eyes open in this, well, what Edgar Allan Poe called the the narrow house. How many people do that? And we wouldn't know. And obviously most people get cremated today. And yeah. so, you know, if they woke up, they haven't got a lot of time to do anything um, <clears throat> as the flames come up. But uh, but apparently, you know, you, if, if you do get buried alive, you can last for well, you probably get it in a proper airtight coffin. You can last for about 60 minutes, which is some consolation. But man, getting buried alive, I think an hour is an awfully long <laughs> <Yeah>. time <laughs> yeah. to deal with it. So, yeah, so I was researching that sort of stuff and just finding that it, like, the more I dive into things that I think of, I don't know if I've got a proper phobia, I'm tempted to try putting myself into a position which mm. is trapped just to see if I'm that bothered about it. I think I am. But I've, I mean, I've got a friend, you know, I've got a historian friend who he was faced with a bad diagnosis from the doctor that he could possibly die. And so he arranged with a disused funeral home to sleep overnight on a mortuary slab because that was his way of, of addressing what he was scared of. But certainly with them doing this sort of research and other research that I've done for books, it's changed my working habits, I think, because I always used to go out. When I write novels, I always kind of would go out to coffee shops and sit there with my listening to my kind of obscure soundtrack music and and playing uh, and playing weird soundscapes and writing just totally in the zone. But when I wrote my nonfiction book, The Frighteners, I had to do some pretty messed up research for that, which A, I was worried about because I was saying to my publisher and my agent, like, Am I, could I be at risk here, you know, of having a kind of digital paper paper trail of looking into some really dark stuff. I'm not talking about pedophilia or something like that, because I, I don't know how I don't know how people who write about that like do that, because <laughs> there's no way I'm searching for that on Google or anything. Um, but but this sort of stuff, I remember at one point in the book, one of the darkest things I had to uh, research was the a fetish called the crush fetish fetish, where people like pay money to see women in high heels, like standing on dogs or puppies or cat or kittens. Yeah. To just crush them. You know, you blocked it out just to like crush them <laughs> to death or, or you can, uh, it's legal in certain countries to do it with certain types of invertebrates. So, you know, if you like got a snail or something, you're not going to be in trouble if you stamp on it slowly on a video, but other animals. In trouble one day. Some well, you should be in trouble <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, completely. So you ought to be in trouble, but apparently, you know, well, we have this, uh, we have this kind of messed up view of value. I think of like, if you ask the classic psychology question, would you, would you tear the wings off a butterfly for a all expenses paid trip around the world? People could say, well, a lot of people say absolutely not. Although a friend of mine said, I'd tear the wings off a bird. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> But you know, a lot of people wouldn't do that. But then, if you, in the next breath, you say, "Okay, well, would you would you stamp on a tiny spider, or or a cockroach?" And they'll say, "Oh, hang on, maybe." Or they'll say, "In this question, I'll say no, 
But I know last week I stamped on one of those just because I didn't like it. So we have this yeah. messed up kind of view of value that's really about beauty, external beauty, I think. It's a bit sad. The butterfly is to be protected because it's pretty, which is weird. Mm. But yeah, quickly realize I, can't, I cannot be looking this stuff up in Costa Coffee <laughs> <laughs> because I'm going to get put on some register. And so I some of that stuff at home and there was some crime scene photographs I had to look at and I did that at home. And then I actually found that I started to embrace mm. working at home. So a few years ago, there's like articles about me, about how I write and how I, I like to be in mm. the coffee shop. But often these days, I, I do a lot of it at home, which I quite like. Yeah. And it's safer in terms of search Someone history. Someone looking over your shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. there's still stuff I, I feel reluctant to like, how do I, because I, I know that this, obviously all this stuff is logged. Oh, you know, well, this is why this is called delete my browser history because yeah. browser histories are absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But it's even like a couple, a couple of years ago, I, I did some, uh, a little bit of work for a Google search company thing. Um, and uh, to do that, they just gave me access to like lists of um, conversations that people have with their Google assistant. And they don't know, well, like, they probably do know it's been recorded in the sense of they've ticked a box somewhere, but they probably yeah. don't know in practice. And you could, you could read the masking for, so it wasn't anything scary, but you could say, oh, they're in Pittsburgh and they've been asking information about this health thing, or they want to play the new Taylor Swift album or whatever. It's just, I've never thought you're anonymous online. Mm. Anyone who thinks that I think's living in a like yeah. dream world. Definitely. Yeah. I'm curious, um, have you ever been caving? Oh. No, I haven't. And I don't know if I can handle that. Yeah. Like, you know, when I said I'd like to try something out, that's yeah, a bit extreme. That's what should... Oh, right. Okay. Because that's yeah. what it makes me think of. And it's, you know, when you see in a film where somebody has to go through a tiny little crack and they don't know if they're going to get out the other side or oh, yes. there's water on the other side and they might like, drown. And I'm like, I, I don't think I could do it. I think I would just sit there and be like, no, mm. that's me. I'm done. Have you seen The Descent? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because she gets. Yeah. Stuck, don't they? Yeah. And I went caving when I was a kid a couple of times before wow. you have any fear about anything. And then I think two things happened because I wouldn't do it. It's making my heart go now just thinking about mm -hmm. it. Two things happened. My sister let me watch something, which is how most stories start. You know, when you're scared about something, my older sister let me do something. We were, I don't know what it is. You might be able to tell me what it was, but it was like a, a fictionalized TV show. And yeah. it, it was about a woman in prison. And she had this arrangement with the prison yeah. undertaker that she would be she would escape in a coffin. Do you know? Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I think it was an Alfred Hitchcock Presents. I think it was, yeah. And yeah. Um, I just remember vividly at the end. She's in the coffin. She flicks her lighter to see who she's in the coffin with. And it's the undertaker who's supposed to come <laughs> to dig her out. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. My sister let me watch that when I was, when she was, I was so young. She was babysitting me. And then I think I watched The Descent and that scene where they get stuck. I just, I would never yeah. contemplate going caving or doing anything that like mm -hmm. that now. I think once you've got that, when, once it's it's there, that fear. And also the, the knowledge that this whole thing of being buried alive, that it does happen and it has happened. Um, uh, yeah. Yes. It, yeah. 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 And it's just, a, it's a scary thing, but it's, it's also, I don't know, like sometimes, sometimes I think kind of our general anxieties just of life, you know, things are stressful can sometimes don't make sense. And they, they try to kind of trickle down and find um, an expression 
uh, you know, a symbol of our anxiety. So, you know, if you're really stressed about work or something like that, you can sometimes find that maybe certain buttons like say claustrophobia in mm. films can touch you a bit more. Um, but if you really kind of stop to analyze it, you'd think, I'm not just scared of claustrophobia. I'm just scared of being trapped. Yeah. Even emotionally, I'm scared of being pinned down psychologically or, you know, I, I want to be myself. Um, so it can work on two levels. But yes, I mean, The Descent, but the Neil Marshall film, I watched that and I, and I was way more freaked out by the scenes of being trapped on your shoulders like this and can't move mm. than, than the monsters, even though they were cool monsters. Yeah, like that yeah. film was 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 proper scary. And I remember telling that story from um, Alfred Hitchcock Presents. I many years ago, I used to be a youth pastor of a church, and I used to tell the teenagers that story quite often. <laughs> like if we were like sitting around a campfire or something, I would join us. Some scary. I got in trouble for something with, <laughs> with that. <laughs> we set up a we set up a really we set up a really big kind of um. We had a youth club going, and I thought, wouldn't it be funny if we pretended that one of the youth uh, youth people were were murdered and then we could launch a sort of murder investigation like a kind of murder <laughs> night but i didn't i didn't think to tell them that it wasn't real i just oh, so no. just gathered all the teenagers in this room and all the leaders and i went listen nobody can leave one of you's been stabbed and we're gonna figure out which one of you did it and we're playing we're playing scary music over the pa system and i gathered them into the church where i'd set up this elaborate body with a knife in it with blood coming out it was so obviously fake so I thought there's PA music playing, scary music, and there's a dead body that's obviously not real. They're going to get that this isn't real. Went back into the room, continued this, and, uh, and I'd arranged with one of the leaders about 20 minutes into this to come hammering on the door. And when the <laughs> I said, oh, crap, it's none of us. It's, they're, they're coming for us oh, now. <laughs> and then when they opened the door, I thought this was a really fun, inventive way of <laughs> connecting with the youth. And then I saw a girl in the corner who's about 13 like holding her knees and rocking backwards and forwards and i was like and it just all flooded in and i'm like crap we have to stop this i've got to remember people aren't in the same zone as i am <laughs> everyone's I as weird as we are <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah yeah so i had to go and see her parents and apologize oh no um, and i apologized to a parent for shaving one of her daughter's eyebrows off once but she asked me to do it um she wanted tram lines <laughs> they were cool at the time it's a minute yeah. and i accidentally went and knocked her eyebrow off but anyway that's oh, enough yeah story for an, another podcast oh, yeah <laughs> Can you reveal to us please which was your fake fact okay well um the the fake one was the witch bottle but i'll, oh. I'll but let me but let me explain it hang on oh he's got it this is the witch bottle, but let me explain why it's fake. I was sent this anonymously uh, about a year or two ago. No, maybe last year, I think. I can't remember when, but I was sent it and it just came in a box and it came with a letter. And I didn't know who sent this. And it came with a letter that was from a family who said that they'd moved into a farmhouse and they were start and they've discovered this bottle. It's a very elaborate looking, it looks so real yeah. and it rattles like it's got a tooth in it or something. And they just said they found this. And uh, since finding it, they're starting to see weird shadows and shapes in their house and scary things are happening and said, because they knew that I had, well, I, you know, was interested in this sort of thing. And they'd seen me on uh, in magazines and stuff. They decided to send it to me. And so they sent it. And on the morning it came, I accidentally dropped a knife and it's the knife span like that. And I, it was just physics, but it was just doing this on the floor for about 20 seconds. I filmed it. And then this arrived 20 minutes later or whatever. Are you like, yeah, no. So, so for about a week and a half or two weeks, 
my my wife is saying you know too many weird people this has got to stop <laughs> i was thinking crap could this be haunted and were um, you like they know where i live yeah well it, yeah there was all that stuff too and then i contacted my agent because i had a new book coming out which was about which actually involved the possessed item a, a ghost a, sorry a, a demonic possession and stuff like that and an item related to that at one point now, and not that one actually it was a possessed the the fourth one about the the world's first uh, mass live on tv exorcism and i called them and i'm like is this some sort of cool uh publicity thing if so bravo and they were like no it's not eventually i discovered that i've got a friend who's a cryptozoologist who travels the world hunting for the mongolian death worm and sasquatch and he thought it would be funny to get an artist to build to make this <laughs> and send it to me for a laugh so that's that, that's but for two weeks i was a little bit nervous yeah. <laughs> excellent peter thank you so much for joining us it's been absolutely fascinating thank where you. can we find you online just go to peterlaws.co.uk or go to at rev peter laws at twitter and you can find me there and um check out podcasts and books and stuff i'd love to connect with you lovely thank you very much thank, thank you. you thanks peter thanks thanks for having me bye, bye. browser history deleted